Hello everybody, welcome to Talking Tendons. My name is Peter Meliaris. Uh, I uh, am the host of this show uh, whose uh, main purpose and goal is to disseminate tendinopathy knowledge to the broader uh, clinical and non-clinical world. So here we go. Uh, first time I'd said that, sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Uh, maybe that can become a... Maybe that can become a little bit of a slogan, disseminating knowledge to the clinical and non-clinical world. I'll have a think about it. Uh, so today I'm going to talk about high-volume injections. High-volume injection um, is a relatively new injection for Achilles and patellar tendinopathy, but it is used in other areas as well. Some people call it a strip, um, and it was originated by a um, doctor in uh, who works in London. His name is Dr. Otto Chan. And I had the immense pleasure of working with uh, uh, Otto for uh, probably two or three years when I was uh, living and working in London from 2006 to 2011. So towards the end of that time, I uh, worked with Otto. Um, Otto is the inventor of the high volume injection. The way that he puts it, he invented the injection so that he can uh, devise some sort of mechanical treatment to strip or to mechanically distend and separate the uh, vessels that grow into the deep side of the Achilles tendon from Kager's fat pad. That was the original original rationale. Because remember, in those days, the, the you know the, the thinking was, which still is partly true and partly the case, is that uh, the vessels that grow in with nerves from the deep fat may have some uh, part to play in the pain mechanisms of tendinopathy with sort of a biochemical response that would ensue from uh, some of those um, uh, neural structures. Potentially that is still the case and that's partly explaining the uh, pain mechanisms in Achilles tendinopathy. Um, we don't know, uh, but that was the that was really the, the, the key and the, the central theory um, in, in at that time and that's um, when this injection was uh, developed probably I would say probably 14 15 years ago um, would have, it would be about right so subsequently dr. Otto Chan and his team which includes uh, professor Dylan Morrissey and other people at Queen Mary and at the East End there's lots of lots of people there professor Mafuli uh, was there for a while and um, lots of others have contributed to trying to develop an evidence base, um, primarily through case series of their own patients who have had the high volume injection, and a lot of those have been positive. Uh, so, uh, so that's been um, uh, that's been sort of uh, occurring in the background. I, I, as I said, I had the. Um, uh, the good fortune to work with that team and I saw lots of high volume injections and applied the rehab afterwards We used to do lots of athletes and lots of other other folk that uh, were sort of sedentary non-athletes uh, pretty much the whole spectrum um, And what I saw with um, uh, My own experience uh, when working in the East End with that group is that uh, the, the injection seemed to be effective um, but we didn't have robust evidence, and that is trials. So then um, uh, Henning Langberg, who was a, a collaborator at that time, um, came over and had a sore, sore Achilles, came over to visit me. <laughs> 
Queen Mary had a sore Achilles, ended up having an injection with Otto Chan, liked the injection, and then we thought, let's do a trial. So then one of his students, who's uh, Anders Boson, the lead author of this first paper, um, ran the first trial on high volume injections. And uh, um, uh, that first trial, uh, so that was published in American Journal of Sports Medicine. I'll link to the notes here. And um, in that trial, we um, compared high volume injection um, uh, to platelet-rich plasma injection to a sham injection. Now, um, I should say what the high volume injection involves. It involves um, five syringes of 10 mils of fluid each. Four of them are saline, so 40 mils of saline, and one of them involves uh, 10 mils of uh, local anesthetic with a little bit of steroid. And that's what, and that just is a paraphrase or a direct phrase, I should say, from Otto Chan, because he always used to say there's a little bit of steroid in there, almost sort of cheekily trying to get in the fact that, oh, you know, we've put a bit of steroid, but don't worry, it's just a little bit. Um, clearly, um, we don't really know um, what the long-term effects of steroid uh, there are discussions about whether there's detrimental effects long-term, like recurrence, sometimes ruptures. Um, this is all debated. The evidence is not really strong enough to tell us uh, one way or the other. And it really does come down to people's experience. Uh, but anyway, so this this uh, this high volume injection is a, basically a cocktail of those three drugs, and we compared it to platelet-rich plasma, which is people's uh, um, plasma, which uh, sorry, um, blood uh, that's uh, with the plasma concentrated um, in the normal PRP uh, way, and um, uh, and what we um, uh, what we uh, uh, found in this trial with a six-month follow-up um, uh, was that um, uh, there was uh, actually a much better effect of the high-volume injection in the short term. So in the first uh, six and three-month follow-ups, the the, uh, the high-volume was superior in terms of outcome for things like pain and function uh, when compared to the PRP injection. Um, and um, uh, then at six months, PRP and high volume were both superior to the sham injection. Okay, so um, so this is um, uh, that was an interesting finding for a number of reasons. First, it showed that high volume works in the short term, and the big question mark there is: is that just a steroid effect? And second, it also showed that PRP was superior to placebo or sham. Uh, and um, that ours was the first trial to uh, show that. Uh, now, there could be a number of explanations. It could be that it is better. It could be that uh, our sham was not effective enough. And we didn't, unfortunately, ask people if they, how, if they perceived that they were in the uh, sham group. Um, the sham we used was a few mils, so one or two mils of saline under the skin, which is a very small amount. Um, so it's potentially true that our sham was not effective enough. Um, the next um, uh, potential explanation uh, is that our um, the next potential explanation is that uh, the um, exercise group um, uh, that we uh, 
Uh, the exercise, well, the exercise, they, they all had exercise um, as part of, um, they all had exercise as part of um, uh, the uh, inclusion into the study. So all three groups had exercise. So, um, so you can't really say the exercise wasn't effective enough because they all had exercise and there were group differences. Um, uh, so I don't think that uh, is uh, the uh, the right uh, interpretation to explain the group differences. But it's true to say that our v our outcomes were very poor for. Um, uh, visa. We know that visa should change by about 20 points in about three months, and our change was more like 10 points, so very, very modest for ex for the exercise-only group, the sham group. So uh, there was something going on with the exercise intervention. It was an eccentric intervention. So perhaps there was very poor adherence, which again, we didn't measure robustly. So there are limitations uh, in, the, um, uh, in the trial. Um, and... Um, you know, one of the most important ones is uh, the sham and how effective the sham was because I think something like an injection can have a considerable placebo effect and um, uh, and if you're not controlling for that, then uh, that can be a problem. The issue or the interesting... Um, uh, the interesting... Uh, part about it is that we saw short-term effects for the high volume in the short term. So the follow-up trial, and this has just been accepted, um, Anders Boson is the first author again into the Scandinavian Journal of Medicine, Science and Sport. So it will be come out in the next few weeks, and I will link it to the show notes when that happens. In this trial, we took out the uh, steroid from one of the high volume arms and we compared the high volume minus steroid and the high volume plus steroid um, and this was interesting because what we found here is that indeed the short-term effects of the high volume injection disappear once the steroid is removed and that strongly suggests that the steroid is the key driver of the short-term effects so um so then what uh we are moving towards now is we're moving towards uh, we're moving towards uh, testing high volume uh, versus high volume without steroid versus sham. So this is a trial that I have well that we're about to start via Monash, um, and we have some money um, from uh, an Australian government funding source to test those three groups and we'll test um, whether the high volume injection, the steroid um, or the high, uh, sorry, high volume injection with the steroid or without the steroid or sham, uh, whether there are differences. So the hypothesis is that uh, we will see improvements in um, pain and function in the high volume groups compared to the sham group. We want to see whether those improvements are maintained at 12 months particularly for the steroid group where there is question marks about potential recurrence with the steroid so that's an exciting trial it's something i'm very excited about uh, leading that trial over the next few years um, we're recruiting just under 200 people uh, for that trial so i wanted to share that and the two papers um, 
In terms of clinical output from the two papers so far, we still don't know whether the steroid is detrimental in the long term. It, I, my view is um, we do need the trial to test that, and that was one of the main motivations for the trial. Um, using a stripping injection is without the steroid is um, likely to be a safer option given the uncertainty about long-term effects. Um, uh, and I, I'm the, the reason I'm interested in injections is because, um, uh, I mean, you know, classically, I am a physiotherapist and I like to provide exercise and get people to better with exercise rather than injections. So injections are not something that I recommend very often at all. But we do have to recognize that two, two important things. One, many, many, many people inject for tendinopathy around the world. So we need to, as scientists and as caring clinicians, have an injection or have at least have some sense of developing the evidence base and not just saying, oh, we shouldn't be injecting, there's better things to do. The reality is not everyone improves with exercise. Um, not everyone improves with exercise. People often go for shortcuts. Now, injections are shortcuts. I don't agree with that. I think that's not a good thing, but uh, people will do it. If there is a shortcut that has an additive effect to rehabilitation, um, well, shortcut in inverted commas, if there is an injection that has an additive effect uh, to the rehabilitation process, doesn't set people back like PRP often can, in my opinion, that would be you know, pretty amazing. It would help a lot of people. Um, it would give them uh, something, it would add, add to their rehab process and, and allow them to improve um, potentially uh, more uh, in a more time-effective way. Uh, and uh, I think that would be quite beneficial. So, um, so I don't think we've explored. I don't think we can sit back and say injections don't work, PRP doesn't work, um, steroids dangerous. Let's just not do anything. Um, there are, uh, there is potential to um, to provide patients with something that can have an additive effect. Um, you know, and I think there's many questions. That is, what is the long-term safety and uh, recurrence uh, from steroid? Um, are there additive effects to things like, well, first of all, is there long-term safety um, and is there long-term benefit from uh, high-volume injections? Uh, are there additive effects to rehabilitation uh, from these injections? Um yeah, um, you notice I haven't asked any questions about PRP. I'm a little bit less uh, enthusiastic about PRP because with PRP, uh, we know that uh, no no studies so far have really been able to, um, well, aside from ours, <laughs> show that it improves over placebo. But the weight of the evidence shows it doesn't work over sham. Uh, and... Um, I think that's something we do need to consider. Uh, and the other issue with PRPs, the, the rationale is really uh, 
questionable given that um, we're trying to mimic a complex healing process with um, a very um, we're trying to mimic a complex uh, healing process with um, you know an, an extremely blunt uh, you know using an extremely blunt method so um, ie just putting some growth factors in um, I don't think that is uh, uh, ever going to lead to healing within a tendon um, so I, I I just don't see that as as having I think I think it breaks down at that sort of basic rationale level uh, but having said that I think as with everything in science, it probably deserves to be on a basic science level tested and seeing if, again, it can have additive effects. But it needs to be tested in a much more robust way than what it has. And I think in a basic science level before we progress uh, the thinking to humans and just try sort of scattergun approaches of various concoctions that really are so variable they just don't... Uh, uh, you know, uh, allow you to uh, conclude anything. So anyway, that is my 17-minute rant about injections. Um, it is something that, uh, even though I love rehab and I have a passion for rehab, I think it's something that, um, uh, as scientists and as clinicians, uh, we should think about. Uh, you know, and as I said earlier, there's masses of people doing injections. So either we should do research and just stop the practice if it's shown to be non-safe or non-effective, or we might find that there's additive effects. So there are uh, potential uh, silver linings to these, um, you know, uh, avenues. Um, I did want to mention there's a uh, injection seminar that I am hosting via Monash. I'm getting Otto Chan out, uh, Prof Dylan Morrissey, lots of other speakers like John Orchard and um, uh, Jane Fitzpatrick and uh, Brooke Coombs and um, uh, Glenn Whitaker and lots of other people. Uh, Dean Samaras is going to be lots of lots of people, lots of lots of different thoughts and. Um, as it will be very interesting, lots of debate. We're going to have a couple of the sports docs like Adam Kastrick and uh, Peter Larkins will be chairing sessions and emceeing. So it should be a great day with lots of discussion. That's on the 4th of uh, May. I will link, uh, the, I'll, I'll provide an Eventbrite link uh, to this podcast as well. Thank you very much for listening and I will see you next time.